and I'm going to be speaking about patience. And faith and patience go like this. They go really, really well together. I started by talking about uh, the fruits at the conference, Fruits of the Spirit, last uh, Saturday night. And um, I just want to encourage you, you know, if you haven't bought a set, uh, you haven't got hold of the teaching yet, put your name down. Uh, I think it'll be available in about a week's time or so, but um, I just encourage you to get hold of those words that, that were given over the conference. Um, but we're just going to look, I think if I was going to give today's uh, message a title, I'd say waiting patiently. But it's, it's, it's a mixture of stuff. It's all about faith as well. And if you look at the word patience or long-suffering, depending what version you're in, and if you've got a new copy of the, the new NIV, it now says forbearance, um, it speaks of time and sacrifice. And a lot of the time when we think about patience, we think about needing to be patient with somebody, don't we? We, we need to bear with one another in love. But I'm not going to talk about that aspect of patience today. I'm going to talk about a different aspect of patience. Because the word forbearance also means a delay in enforcing rights or claims or privileges. Now, I am born again. Do you want me to repeat that? Okay. Forbearance. This is one of the means of it. It means a delay in enforcing rights or claims or privileges. Okay, so as a born-again believer, I have certain rights and certain privileges. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, number one, yeah. I have eternal life. Yes. No matter what, I have eternal life. And if you're here today and you don't know, you're not sure that you're going to heaven or you've got eternal life, then I would really encourage you at the end of the service to come and speak to somebody in our prayer team who would love to help you be in the place where you know that you know that you know that you're going to be with God forever and ever and ever and ever. But what other, I have lots of other rights and privileges. All the promises in the Bible, they're for me and they're for you. So one of the rights is full healing. One is full provision. Uh, Peace in my life. Oneness. You know, all of these are rights and privileges. Why? Because I am now a son. Yes. Forget being a daughter. I'm sorry, I am not into women's rights here. I am a son. I have all the rights that a son gets. You see, if we talk about daughters, there is still this, am I really going to get it in some cultures? No, I am a son. Every promise, every word, everything in here is for me because I am a co-heir with Christ. My rights and privileges because I am a co-heir. Wow. 
Awesome. It's something to be really excited about. Yes. Part of patience as well is fortitude. Fortitude. That's a good word. That's a good word, isn't it? Strength of mind that enables one to endure adversity with courage. There's a strength. You see, patience. There is such strength with patience. And patience allows you to obtain the promises in the word. Let's have a look at Hebrews 6. It says in verse 12, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience, faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Alan finished, if you were here on Sunday night, talking about the armour of God. And if you look at that passage in Ephesians 6, it mentions, depending on what version you're looking at, five or six times it says to stand. That you are to stand. And he talked about how standing is active. It's not passive. It's active. You're not kind of standing, dum-da-dum-dum-dum. Like this. It's Superman pose. You know, the guards that are on outside Buckingham Palace or, or wherever, they stand, they're at attention the whole time. Yeah. At no time are they not watching and seeing, and if you get too close, they will move. <laughs> and that's what we need to be like with the enemy. Yeah. If the enemy gets too close, yeah. Yeah. we're responding straight away because he doesn't have authority over my life or in my life and when we think about patience sometimes we think patience is just I need to just sit and wait I need to just sit and wait and eventually it will happen eventually my healing will come eventually that money will come Eventually, that whatever it is I've been praying for, my job, that job will come. That word of ministry that's spoken over my life, it's, it's going to come. That's not what God wants you to do. God actually wants you to be active while you are waiting patiently for the promise to be fulfilled. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, we live by faith and not by sight. So, if a word has been spoken, God is always faithful to his promise. We have the word here in scripture But we also have the words that he speaks prophetically to us or through other people. But just want to say, if you're given a prophetic word from somebody about 
going to do something, it should always confirm what is already in your heart. Okay? So be very wary. If somebody comes up and tells you to go and do something and it's not on your heart, you need to go speak to a leader about it. Okay? Be really careful. So 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith, not by sight. There is a moment for every person that is appointed. But it comes without evidence. There are things that are spoken. and We don't necessarily see what God is doing. And we have to take a risk to follow him, to be obedient, and sometimes to step out of the boat. Especially if what he is asking us is something that we would never consider doing. How we see, how we see what God is doing while we are waiting for the promise to fulfill, to be fulfilled, matters. What we are doing during that time. You see, you and me, you know, we're, when you're going on a journey, you're excited about arriving, aren't you? You don't necessarily think about the journey. You're excited to get there. You know, when you go on holiday, you don't think, oh yeah, what a wonderful train journey I'm going to have and all the things I'm going to do or sit on a, or a car and sing songs. No, you're going, oh, I can't wait to get to the beach because I'm going to lie in the sun. I've got my books that I'm going to read or what you, whatever you're going to do. Because we naturally, we're all about getting to our destination. Yes, 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 yes. But God's not like that. God, he's all about the journey. He's all about what is happening and what is changing in our lives so that when we get to the moment when the promise is fulfilled, we are ready. So if there is a call on your life for ministry, you you know, what are you going to do? I'm going to wait for Pastor Alan to notice me. I'm going to sit at home. I'm going to come to church on Sunday. I'm going to see... Just, just be there and see if he notices me. You know, see if there's a bright light that shines upon me. And Pastor Alan goes, there's a light over there. <laughs> or what are you going to do? You're going to go, oh, I've got a calling to ministry. Okay. Actually, I'm not really ready yet. I need to go and get trained. I need to go and learn more. God's called me to work with children. Maybe actually I need to go and go and sit in on some ministry that does really good kids work. You see, there is a process. You know, when I first met Alan, I'm sure he won't mind me telling you this. When you first met Alan, he was a young, very proud young man. Oh yeah. <laughs> very. And I didn't want to have anything to do with him all because he didn't follow what I'd been taught having been born again since I was six this young upstart thought he knew everything <laughs> anyway <laughs> it's true. It's true, isn't it? 
God gave him a window into the future when we were dating and he came up to Manchester and spent six months up here ministering in a church. But then he came back and he had to go through a process he went through a process of getting trained at Bible college. He went through a process of getting a job and earning money. See, sometimes we think, we think when we're younger, we just got to go straight for ministry, when actually there are things we need to learn in the workplace. And he got a job, and he learned, had to go up to London. And actually, his accountancy is now his tent-making ministry, and he's been able to use it to help other charities in the city. A process took place. God was training us while we were overseeing life groups down in Horsham. Without realising it, we planted two life groups. So when we came to planting churches, we were like, hold on a minute, we've done some planting already. You see, all the time, God is getting us ready until the point he said, go to Manchester and start a church. And then when you get to this point, you have to make a decision of getting out of the boat and going, yes, I'm going to be obedient to God. Yeah. You see, God, Alan knew he was called to be a pastor and a minister here. Yeah. But there is like a corridor that you have to go down or a tunnel that you have to go through. And during this process, while you are waiting for that word to be fulfilled in your life, it matters what you are letting God do in your life yeah, and how he's working in your life. And you have a choice. You have a choice. You see, if you're ill or sick, you know, I mean, I, I have a choice. I've, I have a choice every single day to go, I'm going to go for it. I'm not going to let this bother me, what's going on in my body. Because I could sit back and go, okay, I'm not going to go to India because I'm not healed. I'm not going to preach because I'm not healed. I'm not going to lay hands on the sick because I'm not healed. That's not the right approach. In my corridor of faith, God is looking and going... What's Claire doing? Is she being obedient? Is she following what I'm doing? Because he's all about the journey. He, he's looking to see, am I faithful? Am I patient? Am I taking hold of that word and speaking it over my life? And do you know something? The length of the corridor depends on you. Mm, because in this corridor of faith while you're waiting for that promise to be fulfilled whatever it is you've got a choice whether you're going to sit down and stop take a breather have a pity party have a God doesn't speak to me moment Your choice. It's your choice. Or you go, right, I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep being obedient to the Lord. I'm going to keep doing what he asked me to do because I know that the word spoken over his, my life will be fulfilled. That's it. Yes. See, if God's called you to ministry of any kind, you should always be walking towards your ministry. 
the minute you take a step back from what God has called you to, it's dangerous. Yeah. Because you, you, you lose all excitement and energy. And Alan and I learnt that when we were in Horsham, when we laid down being over life groups. We felt awful because we weren't in the will of God anymore. So we need to keep walking. We need to keep walking. I haven't got time. We need to keep walking in that corridor of faith and moving. Because while we're in that corridor of faith, God transformed us. He changes us. He works in our life. He is never idle. He is never idle. You are his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. And he's constantly working on you so that you become the person that he needs you to be to fulfill what he's asked you to do. Again, it's up to you what you do. See, most journeys of faith aren't quick. Let's think about Abraham. A promise of a child. It didn't happen overnight. And in fact, during the time Abraham sat down and tried to work it out himself, didn't he? And he had Isaac. No, he had Ishmael. Sorry, he had Ishmael. Okay. What about Joseph? When he was a boy, he got the dream about his family bowing down to him and worshipping him. Or not worship, but you know, bowing down to him. But he was a man. He was married. He had children when the promise was fulfilled. But if you read the story in Genesis, and I haven't got time to do that now, you look at the transformation in his life. He went from a, I'm the favourite, to actually understanding the authority and the leadership he had. And he was favoured in the prison. He was chosen to do jobs because he was watched because of his life. There was a change that took place in his life between receiving the vision and seeing the vision fulfilled. My faith needs to say, I will trust you, God, even when I don't understand. Yes. Even when I don't understand what is happening, I will put my trust in you because you are always faithful. And I will always see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Always. These are are things you need to confess and speak while you're waiting. See, when you're in this corridor of faith, this tunnel of faith, whatever you want to call it, it makes you who you were meant to be. That's right. See, God is concerned about your character because the more you are like him, the more Jesus shines from your life. And as a representative of Jesus, you need to desire and want to be more like him. Turn to uh, 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1. Verse 6. It 
it says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Wow. Yeah. We need to keep rejoicing. There's a test. There's a test of your faith. See, maturity, maturity comes with more responsibility, or more responsibility comes with maturity. I don't know. They both kind of work together. But, you know, there are tests that come in your life. And how you handle those tests is really important. And are you going to hold on to the promises of God? Just look ahead, James 1, 2, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance or patience. It depends what version you've got. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be... Mature. mature and complete not lacking anything yeah. 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 Amen. see perseverance patience it's about being mature yeah. you yeah. see if Alan was let loose as a pastor <laughs> at this point I don't know what the church would be like but God worked on his life to the point where he said, go. You're ready. You're ready. We didn't feel ready. But God must have thought we were ready. That there was stuff in us. And, because we allow, and we continue to allow him to work on our lives. See, the other thing about this corridor of faith, it, it delivers you from your emotions. Your sense is ruling you. You see, while you're in this waiting time, you have to deal with your heart. And maybe there's jealousy because you see other people being raised up and you're not being raised up. Or envy. Maybe there's an anger in you because you're not seeing the fulfillment of the word. Or maybe, quite frankly, you, you cry all the time. Oh, will, it, will it ever happen? Will it ever happen? I'm not making light of it. I'm just trying to just maybe exaggerate it a little bit. See, if you want to get to the end of your tunnel... You've got to make a decision that your emotions are not going to rule your life. They say that women are ruled by their emotions, but men are too, as well. We've seen it. We've seen men ruled by emotions just as much as women. Maybe we show it and express it more, you know, we wear our arms on our sleeves on the, what is the word? I can't remember. Anyway, that's the word, heart on our sleeves. Hey, we're not doing very well with sayings, are we, today? We're doing great. But it, 
Portsmouth Red. It matters. <laughs> it matters whether we're controlled by our emotions or not. I refuse to be controlled by my emotions. That's right. I, I refuse. Is it all right to cry? Yes, of course it is. Is it good to be happy? Yes. Is it right to be sad? Yes, we're told to mourn with those who mourn. There are appropriate times. But there's not an appropriate time to have a pity party because you're not seeing the fulfillment of a promise, whatever that promise is. Because my Bible tells me I'm a born-again believer and it's my right. All the promises, they belong to me, all of them. And sometimes we just don't know it. We don't know what the Word says. We've got to get into the Word. We've got to get into the Word. We've got to know what it says. So that we grab hold of it more and more and more and more. God spoke to me while we were away. Um, from Psalm 18. And he said to me, Claire. He just showed me. You know, you can read scripture over and over and over again. And not see stuff. Can't you? And then you have that light bulb moment. It says, uh, verse 37, I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You know, he has, it says, uh, uh, verse 34, sorry, he trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. And God was just speaking to me about how we pursue our enemies because this is my corridor of faith, I'm going to go the other way. But um, <laughs> when, when, you know, if you've got an enemy in your life, you need to get hold of scripture, and you need to declare it, and you need to pursue the enemy until you have overtaken it, because it has no right to rule in your life, whatever it is. But when you have then overtaken it, what do you need to do? You need to crush it beneath your feet so that it cannot rise again. Yes. And, you know, Alan and I, we saw amazing freedom from debt, I don't know, about 12 years ago. We pursued our enemy. Oh, my goodness, you should have seen me at home declaring scriptures, declaring the truth about being debt-free, refusing to buy a boiler when the boiler broke down because I refused to use the credit card. I was like, no, I was so, I'm going to take this thing, I'm going to take this thing. And we saw an amazing provision three days later after having no heating and no hot water in December <laughs> with three young kids. But we saw an amazing provision from somebody we never thought would ever give us uh, this money. And we were able to go out and buy a boiler. And that year, in, on January the 1st, we opened a check and it completely paid off all our debt. We pursued our enemy and we overtook. But do you know what we didn't do? We didn't crush the enemy. So when we've gone through this difficult time in the church, when Alan and I should have stood firm and said no, we didn't. We used our card. When you've got kids at home and you need to feed them, it's difficult. When you need petrol in your car to go and visit someone, it's difficult. We totally understand that. And, but we should have said no. You know, if God can provide for a, a boiler, 
and I was stood it out for three days, could have seen him provide a bag of food. Yeah. You see, we need to crush. It's not just enough to overtake. We need to crush the enemy. This is my current word I'm running with. But God was speaking to me about Esther. Have I got, where are we at in time? Oh my word. God was speaking to me about Esther. A lovely little story. We're not going to go look there now. Esther, a young girl, sent to the palace, prepared for a year just in case she was going to be queen. She spent, she didn't know she was going to be queen. She was prepared for a whole year. No one could approach the king. They had to wait to be called. And she was chosen as queen. And then during her season as queen, there came a time when her people became persecuted. And her uncle said to her, and who knows that you've come to your royal position for such a time as this. What did she do next? Let's have a look at Esther. We will have a look in Esther. And if, like me, you're trying to remember where Esther is in your Bible, it's after Nehemiah and it's on page 455 in my Bible. Let's go to 4. Chapter 4, verse 14, it says, uh, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. I want you to notice how important prayer is when you are in this time when you are waiting. You see... She didn't go, oh no, they're all going to be killed. What am I going to do? I don't know, I'm just going to have to wait for my, him to realise that I'm going to be killed. No, this young girl, with a word from her uncle, who said to her, for such a time as this, she girded up her loins, as it says somewhere, she pulled herself together, and she went, right, if I'm going to do this, I need you to pray with me too. And I'm going to fast and pray. And sometimes when we're in this corridor of faith, this tunnel of faith, this time, we need to pray. We need to pray while we wait to see the outcome is. Now, hers was a short time. In the scale of things, it was a short time scale. But I don't know about you, but... Right at the end, when she knew she had to go and visit the king and go in too, she had to walk this corridor, knowing she'd prayed, knowing that when she knocked on that door, she could be killed. And she came to a moment when she had to step out in faith. But she was ready because she'd had this time of prayer and fasting. And sometimes for us... Don't sit, don't, don't just sit back, pray, 
Grab hold of the word and pray, pray, pray the scripture. I haven't got time to go into everything else I've got here. See, prayer is so important. If you have been given a prophetic word about the future, if you've got a call to ministry, please don't just go, that's a nice word that I've got. Take that word, pray over that word, and and see what God will do. See, prayer enables vision to come to pass. It says in Isaiah 40, verse uh, 3 to 5, it says, A voice of one calling, In the desert prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain brought down. When you're on this corridor of faith, I don't know about you, but I want this to be a highway. I want this to be a motorway. When you're on a motorway, you can get from A to B really quickly. We'll forget British roadworks. You can get to A to B very quickly. But when you're on a country road that goes up a bit and down a bit and up a bit and down a bit. And round the bend, yeah. It takes ages. And this is why prayer is so important. Because as you are praying during this time, you are seeing the valleys brought up and the mountains brought down so that this highway, it happens quickly. Yes. So that what, because as you pray, God can work in your life. He can show you things. He can reveal things to you. That's right. That's good. It's so important how you are during that time. Yeah. Yes. The other thing is, right, while you are on here, there are different points in your life. And you've got a choice. I've said this already about where you stop. And if you focus on what God is doing in your life now and you lose sight of the destination, you won't be moving because you will focus here. And sometimes that's what us, we like it here. It's comfortable. It, it's, it's nice. So we stop looking to the word that has been spoken to us. Maybe we're scared. And that's where God wants to work in your life to change you. And he loves it because he wants you to be so much more like him. So you fulfill what God has asked. So you lay hold of your promise and you take hold of it. So don't focus on the markers. Don't focus on the points. They're good because God changes you, but always keep your eye on the destination, on that word that has been spoken over your life. Alan and I, we never lose sight of the words spoken over World Harvest Bible Church. We have watched this church uh, since we've become pastors. We've watched it shrink in size. We've watched it go from uh, being in ridiculous amount of debt as a church. 200,000, was it? 200,000 in debt to 50,000 in debt. 
See, God has provided amazingly. We've watched, we've had to watch losing certain things, like we lost the nursery and we lost the cafe. But we've gained so much because of what we've got in Studio 4 and because of the different ministries through open doors. But we have never, ever, ever lost sight of the words that God has spoken about, the fact that this is going to be a big church. Amen. And we are beginning to see uh, a move in this place with people coming in, lives changed. And we are never, ever going to take our eyes off that, even though we're in this process. Because we are still in this process. We, our eyes, we've still got this vision. I've still got the vision of a stadium. If you don't know that picture, don't worry about it. But there's a picture of a, a conference in a stadium. Still got that in my head. Because I know that if God gives me something, it will happen.